Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you wouldn't mind turning your Bibles to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. I am excited about tonight. I was telling my family... Uh, why I was excited about tonight. I'm excited about tonight because our other members are here tonight. (laughs) Mike has been with his dad being a good son and I think a faithful disciple of Jesus taking care of his father. And uh, and he's with us tonight. His brother decided to give him a break. And John, John's been traveling with his business and he's back tonight. So I'm just thankful that, that our members could be back together tonight. We'll be in 1 Timothy and, uh, we're going to be looking kind of at what ministry requires tonight. Um, you've heard these names. Jim Baker. Jimmy Swagger. Maybe a name you haven't heard of. It may be something that's a, a younger generation. Mark Driscoll. Or Ted Haggard. Um, do you know those names? Uh, Jim Baker, of course, uh, everybody may know about him from the scandals in the 1980s or late, ni- late 80s, early 90s. Um, Jimmy Swaggart, you know about that. Uh, Mark Driscoll was a pastor of a megachurch in um, uh, Seattle, Washington, or I don't know if it was Seattle. It was one of the Washington big cities there. And um, um, there wasn't any sexual scandal there, but there was... Uh, a scandal of being um, basically bossy and uh, and controlling, uh, and he had to step down from his church. And then there was Ted Haggard, who had been the the uh, president of the National Association of Evangelicals, who was then caught with a young male prostitute. Um, this that was a few years back. I think it was around 2006 or so. These, I think, are examples, and you can think of many, many more of people who had started out trying to do ministry and had shipwrecked, haven't they? And and that is a danger for all of us who seek to do ministry, whether it's a pastor or whether it's anybody else in the church because God has called us all to ministry. God has called us all. uh, It's not just something like the pastor does all the ministry and then everybody else just sits and is a spectator. That's not how church works. Right? We all, if you're a believer, we have been called to serve Christ. We've been called to work on His mission together. All disciples are ministers. And if we're going to minister, we have to do it the way that God has called us to do it. And we need to avoid the things He warns us about. Paul here reminds Timothy of what to avoid and what to do in the text we're looking at tonight. Beginning in uh, verse 18 of 1 Timothy chapter 1. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, 
that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Let's pray. Father, speak to us tonight through your word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, may we be people as we hear your word tonight, people who tremble at your word. Not that we would fear what human beings might do to us, but that we might fear you. That we might have a healthy fear of God that would keep us and guard us from making missteps. Father, we praise you. And Father, I pray that you would give me strength and grace as I preach your word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Nobody wants to be one of these names. Right? And we can, like, like I said, we can think of more. Um, but it happens. It's happened ever since the early church. We, we see Paul named this, these examples of Hymenaeus and Alexander. And in some other letters, he mentions other people who, who had abandoned him. And, 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 and the other apostles in their letters sometimes name people who, who had started out and then had fallen away. It's nothing new to our day. It's something that's been around since the time of the apostles. Yet, it, is, it brings shame on the name of Christ, doesn't it? You hear about these scandals, and that's what the lost world thinks about. They, they, you, they, they may not know anything at all about Christianity. They may not know anything at all about about their local church. But they see on the news these scandals about these big preachers of mega churches and things like that. Or they may hear of a church in another town somewhere where the pastor ran off with another woman. Or something like that. Um, and every one of us, if we want to serve Jesus, we need to guard not only our doctrine, but we need to guard our lives. Peter, or not Peter, Paul here says, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child. There's a charge, there's a commission, there's, there's something that Paul was entrusting to Timothy. Now, we want to know what this is, is that he's talking about. Um, well, good for you. We, we, were, we actually kind of went over some of this a few weeks ago. Um, in the first passage we looked at in 1 Timothy, um, Paul talks about this same charge. So we're going to kind of back up a little bit to see what this charge is that he was talking about. In verse 3 of the same chapter, he says, I urge you when I was going to Macedonia to remain at Ephesus that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience 
and a sincere faith. I think all of that is included in the charge that Paul gave to Timothy here, that we're reading about here in verse 18. The charge is, Paul had been in Ephesus, he had been the main teacher there, he left to go someplace else, and he left Timothy saying, you're in charge, and you need to watch the doctrine and make sure nobody teaches anything else. Um, We talked about this a few weeks ago. Also, Paul reminds Timothy, the aim of our charge, it's not to be a bully. It's not to be controlling. The aim of our charge, Paul had told Timothy, is love. Paul left Timothy to do this, not so that Timothy could have a big ego. Paul left Timothy there because of love. The church needed someone there to make sure that the true doctrine was the doctrine that was taught. That nobody taught anything else that contradicted what Paul had been teaching them about the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And also, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience. We see that same word here in the verse we're looking at tonight. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the... I'm going to skip ahead. He says, holding the faith and a good conscience. Holding the faith and a good conscience. He brings that up again. Part of Timothy's charge is that he is to have a good conscience. He is to have, um, he is to be able to stand before the people and know that he practices what he preaches. He's to stand before the people and know that he's not living a double life. Right? This charge, I entrust to you, Timothy. Timothy had been a follower of uh, of Paul. He'd been somebody who had traveled with him. And and here, Timothy, the, the affection that Paul had for Timothy is shown. My child, right? Paul had been the one who preached the gospel to him, and Timothy was saved under his ministry. Paul thought of him as his own son in the faith. And and you can see that affection that's there. And then there's this this part of the verse that makes us scratch our heads. This charge I entrust to you in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. What's this about? That seems a little foreign to us, doesn't it? Somehow in Timothy's life, there had been uh, some prophecies that had been made about him concerning the mission that he was going to do. And we see the same thing over in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the end of, the, of, the, of that chapter. It's just a couple of pages over if you want to flip there. Um, in verse 14, Paul had said, Do not neglect the gift which you have, which was given to you by prophecy, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Is what Paul was saying. Now, this was during the apostolic era. This was the time in which there were still apostles living. I think the the gift of prophecy was still active and engaged, common and regular during the New Testament era whenever, whenever the apostles were living. They had the kind of prophets who could speak authoritatively. I don't believe that's the case anymore. Any kind of person who claims to be a prophet, um, 
The revelation we have in Scripture is that, is it. Don't go looking for any more revelation. And if you ever have anybody that claims it, line it up with the God's Word to, to make sure. But I don't believe we're going to find any, any more new revelation. We've got to be obeying what we've got right here in the Scripture. But anyway, for, for Timothy's situation, there had been at his, maybe you call it an ordination, when the elders there laid their hands on him and prayed, and there was a, a prophecy concerning what his ministry was supposed to be about. Paul was telling Timothy, you remember back then. You remember the moment those elders laid their hands upon you and commissioned you for this ministry. You don't want to let them down. Right? You don't want to let them down. You, you, want, you remember that and that, motivate, that should motivate Timothy to be a good soldier for Jesus. Right? To, to f- fulfill the commission that he's given. Another thing concerning this um, um, prophecies, this laying on of hands and prophecies, um, Charles Spurgeon, um, maybe you've heard of him. I've got his picture on my, my phone. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon, he, he, was, he was pastor of probably one of the biggest churches in London in his time, and he never had a formal ordination. He rejected the concept, uh, and I think he's probably right. And, and one of the things he said was, um, ordination is the laying of, hand, of empty hands on empty heads. <laughs> because, because in our day, we don't, no longer have the prophetic kinds of gifts that they had in the New Testament era, that the apostles had. And, and we don't have anything to confer by laying our hands on people. Uh, in that way. That's just a historical note there about what Charles Spurgeon thought about ordination. Anyway, moving on. Paul was telling Timothy that this charge that he had was, uh, it was in accordance with, it was, it was, um, it was uh, consistent with this prophecy that he had had made about him that by them you may wage the good warfare. Timothy was supposed to bring those things to mind. Bring that charge to mind. Bring what uh, had been authoritatively told to him to mind so that he could remind himself so that he would be able to wage the good warfare. I think that's something that we're all called to do if we're going to do ministry. We need to be, we need to be reminded that we, we may not have had an apostle lay their hands on us and say, go and do this. But we have the Great Commission. Jesus commanded all of His disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them everything I've commanded you. We, we, we can think back to what Jesus commanded us to do, what our mission is. Uh, Paul, Paul here is reminding Timothy of the prophecies because that's, that's his commission that he had. But we have a commission too. We are to evangelize. We are to preach the gospel. We are to disciple people so that they can adequately follow Jesus and become mature Christians themselves. Here, 
Paul also uses this terminology of waging the good warfare. Um, we have a few soldiers in our midst. Uh, Mike has spent some time in battle. My grandpa, who's with us tonight, is a veteran. He has served time in military service. And to do so, you've got to be disciplined, right, Mike? You've got to be disciplined. You train for discipline. And that is one of the pictures that we have of what the Christian life is all about. We've got to be reminded we're wearing a uniform. <laughs> we represent Christ. We're His ambassadors. We are soldiers of Christ. There's a hymn in the hymn book called Soldiers of Christ in Truth Arrayed. We never sing it anymore. It's in the hymn books. It's one of, actually one of my favorite songs. Um, it was... Uh, Anyway, that's the attitude we need to have. We need to remember we are soldiers of Christ. We're to be good soldiers. We're to be disciplined and we're to uh, listen to the command of our general. Right? Um, And then he says in verse 19, holding faith and a good conscience. Holding faith and a good conscience. So he's motivated us to fulfill our charge, to do the ministry that God's called us to by reminding us of the commission that we've had. He's told us to be good soldiers, and he's now also telling us we need to have hold the faith and a good conscience. There's two aspects here. The faith. That is, I think, what he was told, telling Timothy in the earlier verses that you may command certain persons to teach, not to teach any different doctrine. The faith that we have has been handed down to us, and we don't tinker with it. It is the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, as the book of Jude calls it. It is the gospel that saves. We don't have to water it down. We don't have to try to make it more attractive. We just preach what we've been handed faithfully. And that's, I think, what it means when we hold to the faith. We have the faith. It's it's talking about the the doctrine that we believe. And uh, not, not contrasting that, but along with that, it's the good conscience. Throughout the book of 1 Timothy... These two things are held together. We saw it in the earlier verse. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. We see it here in this verse. And we also see it again in chapter 4. And I didn't look for it in other places, but it's probably scattered throughout the book of 1 Timothy. In chapter 4, he tells us, Verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and your teaching. Yourself and your teaching. Both our life and our doctrine. You know, I've spent a lot of time in education. I've got a Bible degree. I've got a Master of Divinity. I've got a a Master of Theology. I even did PhD studies in Old Testament. Okay, So it would be easy 
for someone like me, that somebody that's wired like me to focus on doctrine, 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 doctrine. And I met a lot of people in seminary who were the same way. Uh, we would just focus on doctrine, 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 doctrine. And that's important. I believe it's important. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. But equally important is our life. Equally important is our life. We've got to have that good conscience. We've got to to live in a way that is in accordance with the things that we profess, that we teach. And that is a lot harder than just being all talk. Isn't it? And I've got to confess, we all fall short, don't we? There's those times when we fly off with our temper. There's those times whenever things just catch us. Because even though God has, has saved us, He's cleansed us, He's called us into His service, we still struggle with sins and temptation. So what do we do? We bring those things to Jesus every time. We bring those to Him. They may be continue to be struggles that we have for long periods of time, but we continue bringing them back to Jesus that He can cleanse our conscience. We can't cleanse our conscience by our own works, can we? We can only bring them to Jesus. Next thing. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander. Stop right there for a moment. Paul named names. Right? And and sometimes we need to do the same. (laughs) Sometimes we see somebody who's a false teacher. We call it out. Say, hey. But you know what? We don't just do it on the doctrine side. We also need to do it on the life side. Um, Hymenaeus Hymenaeus and Alexander, they had shipwrecked their faith. They, They started out well, and they crashed. Like a train wreck. Like these guys that I named in the beginning and many, many more that you can think of. I'm not saying necessarily that um, Hymenaeus and Alexander were lost. Paul here says, whom I have handed over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. That sounds pretty radical, doesn't it? Handed over to Satan? I mean, does that, does that mean I've lost all hope and they're going to hell? I don't think so. Because the only other time when that same phrase is used is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Um... Paul had said concerning that there was uh, there was this was where the case 
of the man who had been sleeping with his stepmother is there. And, and Paul says, it's actually reported uh, that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife. Skip down a little bit. Um, verse 3, For although absent in body, I am present in spirit, and if, I pre- and if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present, with the power of our, of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Here, Paul is telling the church of Corinth to practice church discipline, to cast him out of the membership. He would not be able to participate in the Lord's Supper. They would consider him, like Matthew 18 says, as an unbeliever. Okay? But the purpose of it is redemptive. The purpose is redemptive. He says... um, Deliver him over to Satan that for the destruction of his flesh that, he may, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. There's a redemptive purpose behind what Paul is saying there about church discipline. And what we see in, in 2 Corinthians is Paul there says the punishment inflicted by the majority was sufficient. Reaffirm your love for the guy. This guy who had been sexually immoral of even the kind that is not even named among the pagans. He repented whenever church discipline was applied. And Paul tells them, go ahead and invite him back in. The purpose of church discipline, like it's mentioned here, is redemptive. And here we see what Paul says about Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. I think here is another sense in which there is a redemptive purpose there. Paul handed him over to Satan. I think that means church discipline. And the purpose for it was that they would repent. That they would turn away from that sin. Um, So, I'm going to back up and here we're going to look at it from the big picture perspective. In summary, I think what this text is teaching us is if we seek to minister in Christ's name, We must hold to what He commissioned us to do in order to be good soldiers and not shipwreck our faith like many others have done. We've seen examples from the New Testament times up through our own present day. We've seen examples. Many have shipwrecked their faith. We don't want to to do that. And so that is one thing that ought to motivate us, that ought to caution us, that we should be a good soldier, be disciplined. We need to watch our life and doctrine like Paul told us, told Timothy to do. And we need to remember our marching orders. We need to remember the charge that we've been given, the Great Commission. Make disciples of all nations. Now, as I think on this, I want to be, I always want to lift up the gospel. 
And as I I look at this text, as I, I think about the things that I have said tonight, feel like a lot of it has been do this do that and i don't want to i don't want to stay there we should do these things we should we should remember the commission that we have we should have the attitude of having a good soldier and being disciplined and things like that we need to to watch our life and doctrine but you know what we're not saved by any of those things We're not saved by any of those things. We're not saved by our own effort. We're saved by grace. We can be rigid. We can be legalistic, following meticulously after everything. We can can be the kind of person on Facebook who jumps at the chance to be able to criticize somebody else's doctrine if they just get a little bit out 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 of order. The aim of our charge is love. It flows from a pure heart and a sincere faith. Our faith is not in ourselves and our ability to keep all the rules. Our faith is in the Savior who gave His blood for us and Jesus paid it all. Amen. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.